The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back to another episode of Commons by Bravo. Hey, Is. Hi, Em. We are getting so close to the Carl and Lindsay moment. I can feel it. She posted a whole series of stories after the episode premiered this week, basically explaining that something in the air shifted on this prom night and that her heart was beating a little faster. And that was the night that she saw Carl differently in her eyes and the feeling seems to have been mutual. And I am just, I could feel it and I'm so happy. I wish you could have seen my face when he said to her, I want to slow dance with you tonight. I immediately felt like a little girl that was asked to prom, honestly. (laughs) I feel like the reenacting of the prom magic really brought something that they were like these two seniors that were friends, they were going to college and they really had this spark, like something about it. And it's just crazy that let's say they hadn't had that theme or that night where they were going as dates. Like what if the theme had been, I don't know, an 80s Aspen ski party where there was no going to prom together? How would this have manifested itself? Well, it just goes to show you, honestly, that sometimes you need a catalyst like this because not even for one person to make the move, it's not even about the hesitation. It's sometimes you have to get in touch with that feeling and you need something like this to bring that out of you. I loved every second of it. I texted you in the middle of the episode this week being like, I just fucking love this show. (laughs) This is Emma every week, like clockwork. (laughs) I fucking love Summer House. This is the best show on TV. No one should ever make another show after this. I can't wait to talk about it. I have so many thoughts. I can't believe I can't tell you them right now. And I'm like, oh, I guess you're in the middle of Summer House. (laughs) Every single week, like clockwork, it just brings me so much happiness. And honestly, that's what I want for everyone in my life, to have a show that brings you the type of happiness that Summer House brings me. Whatever show that is, whatever network, I just want that for everyone I love. Can I tell you something that made me really happy this week? Of course. So uh, this could be unpopular opinion, but whatever. Teddy's podcast, Two Teas in a Pod, I guess Tamara was out for the week and there was some drama where Garcelle was supposed to come on, but didn't. So instead, Teddy had her, Kyle, Erica, and Rinna do a four-person episode and it is pure chaos and they're all just like chatting, but like it is truly as though you're sitting at a lunch table with them completely unfiltered. And they give a lot of tea about the season and a little bit of a primer as to where everyone is and what they're feeling and sort of what's going on in real time. And I just highly recommend it. They also go back to some other moments when they were in Amsterdam, some other cast trips, moments they've had between them. They're a lot and they're funny, but it is a really great listen if you love Beverly Hills. And I'm glad I listened to it before we get into this season because now I feel like I have a little bit of my bearings. 
Oh, okay. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I can't say that I'm definitely going to listen. Not because <laughs> there's anything, no, not because I have anything against it. I, you just know how I get when there's multiple people talking at once, especially if they're talking oh. over each other. I, I, it's like my number one. I can't. I will give you a warning that if you are like that, this is an absolute nightmare because I, the volume, like Teddy is so loud and then you can't hear Erica and then Rinna is so loud and then you can really hear Erica. It's a lot of talking over each other, but if you are in a chaotic headspace, I recommend it. I'm glad that you listen because I think at least for one of us to have that groundwork, it can only be helpful for this next season. But I'm so sensitive to that, that sometimes we'll get DMs of people being like, I feel like you guys never really talk over each other. And it's because obviously naturally we do because we're not in the same room. But if I even hear that for a second, I'll like have us stop and just start over because God <laughs> forbid, I, like, I don't know. I, I don't know if anyone else is sensitive to that. It's just always been a thing for me. I know, but it's also funny because when we're together in real life, like you and Julie, <laughs> we're just consistently talking over each other. So Yeah, of course. <laughs> okay, so before we get into Summer House, which obviously I'm chomping at the bit to do, I really want to talk about the Jersey trailer. Like, it's everything I expected, but also so much more. You know, I, I know we're going to get into this in Jersey, so I may as well save it. But I just would like to make a general statement, which is last week we posed the question when we were talking about the Jersey episode of where does this franchise go from here? Because right now it's not sustainable as is. And we said we really didn't know, but we just knew something needed to change. And we were throwing out all different possibilities and just wanting to hear what people thought. And I would say, and you can tell me what you think, I would say the overwhelming opinion that we received, so I'm not saying it's the overwhelming opinion, but just that we received, is that Teresa needs to go. And it was just so many people being like, I understand that she is an icon, and in so many ways, the show has her to thank for making it what it is, but her stubbornness is becoming, honestly, a roadblock to any sort of resolve. And I I don't know if I'm prepared to say she has to go, because I do think we would miss her, but I would be lying if I said I don't understand what people are saying because it's true. Yeah, it is true. It's hard because you can't really change someone's personality. And for a long time, her stubbornness was what made her the main star of the show. That was why we came. It was Teresa being stubborn, holding her ground, and that was her character. And we we fucking loved it. But now I feel like she's sort of shifted in this way where her priorities are completely different and she sort of has turned off any willingness or longing to be a part of the group and cause drama that doesn't really have to do with her or really care about other people. Like she just wouldn't care at this point if Danielle stopped like what's going on in her personal life. It's all about Teresa. And that, by the way, that's fine. But I don't know if that really bodes well for her as a housewife on the show. It's also hard because I cannot imagine a Jersey without Teresa. I'm not saying we need to get rid of her, but I think we need to either bring on people she does care about or just, I don't know, shift the sales a little bit here. Yeah, some something's got to give. I don't know. It was just interesting to see people's perspectives because I think there's a collective frustration with her and I understand it. I really do. Ugh, you just said something's got to give. I'm totally going to watch that tonight. <laughs> <laughs> that was on the TV when I was getting my hair blown out last week. Oh, a classic Nancy Myers. That's one of my, in my, that's like in my top five favorite Nancy Myers, I'd say. Absolute classic. So wait, b- back to the trailer. We, we are all over the place today and I feel it and I love it. I don't mind it. I all. love it too. Keep it going. I mean, to me, the, probably the most impactful moment of the trailer was 
Joe and Teresa's back and forth, which it's not that it's anything new, obviously, but I do feel in recent history, it's not that things have been better, but it's just that Joe has been more committed to keeping the peace, so he's held his tongue. And you could see, I think, the frustration just boiled over. And he was really acknowledging her hypocrisy, which is so evident to everyone else but her. Yeah, I feel like we knew this was coming, that there would be a lot of family drama because of the way that everyone had been teasing how the reunion went down. So to see that in the very beginning of the trailer, I was not surprised, but I am saddened. I feel like both of them have really just become exhausted with this because it is a constant battle, 100% of the time. They are working at this relationship and disagreeing and at a certain point, you really burn out, but they don't want to. Like Neither of them wants to give up. I, I fully acknowledge. I think they both wish deep in their hearts that they could just be siblings, but they are too fundamentally different, have too many issues. And in all honesty, being on this show makes the issues a thousand times worse. And neither of them, meaning Joe and Melissa and Teresa, are going to give up the show. Like no, no one wants to back down. It's such a hard dynamic. And it honestly saddens me so much because I just always think about the conversation they had when they said, both of our parents are gone. We were all we have. And let's try to make this work because when they're good, they're great. And that's the hard part. But it's not even when you say like they're so fundamentally different. It's not even that they're so fundamentally different, in my opinion. It's that Teresa is just so unwilling to compromise even slightly. So it's either Joe is 100% going to back down or they're fighting. Like that's honestly the way that I see it. I'm not saying that he hasn't been wrong in certain situations, but at a certain point, how much can you just lay low and not express how you're really feeling in fear of the other person completely blowing up and going at your wife. It's it's not a sustainable relationship. And I agree with you. The show honestly is probably the greatest catalyst because yes, they spend more time together. So on some level it's bonding, but at the same time, the dynamic between the three of them, meaning Joe, Melissa and Teresa is partially who people come for. So yeah. I, I really don't know. I don't know. It's something is definitely gonna gonna have to happen there. But other thing I wanted to mention is when Margaret was on Watch What Happens Tonight with Andy and Gary Janetti, she echoed a similar sentiment that Andy had last week when he was talking to Dolores, basically saying, you know what? Not for nothing, but Louis really impressed me at the reunion. Yeah, I'm curious to see because I think this will be the first time Teresa has had a partner with her who will back her up in this way. Like Joe Giudice was very every man for himself. And I think she always envied people that had a husband or a partner there that was just going to bat for them and really just sticking by them like a partner. So this will be her first reunion where she really gets a taste of that after so many years of reunions and also years where she didn't have a husband or a partner behind her or didn't have that support. I know, and I'm happy for Teresa that she has that. I really am. But the reason that I find it interesting, knowing that she has that, and then knowing what Andy and Margaret and Dolores have been saying about the way Louis handled himself, is that, to me, it feels like if everybody's saying that he had such a rational take, at some point he maybe had to disagree with her or maybe had to not back her up when she's going to some of her less logical takes. So that's honestly what I'm interested to see how he manages that. Because there's no way when they say he handled himself so gracefully that they mean he backed up Teresa in that way. Maybe he means, maybe mm. they're saying that he explained himself, you know, excellently, but 
I don't know. That that does feel a little complicated. Well, now I'm sort of rethinking everything I said because I'm now going back to the scene where Teresa's getting really fired up and he, in front of everyone, is trying to really calm her down. He didn't handle that in the best way, I don't think. But I do think she respects him and he is pretty much the only person who can sort of take the levels down on her a little bit and then whose opinion she actually listens to and respects and will maybe even follow. So he maybe he used that to his advantage or to the greater good advantage. Yeah, there's so many ways this could go. So you know what? Fuck it. I'm happy it's three parts and I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, this is one, even though I would say the season was relatively underwhelming or maybe not underwhelming, but a little bit stale. I still understand why this is a three-part reunion. This is not like an OC situation. No. The the conversations go deep and there's a lot of context and I'm happy to watch it. By the way, you know what I completely forgot about and then remembered? What? We're going to get a summer house reunion. Yeah. And they looked amazing. Oh my God. That's going to be good. Except Craig and Austin aren't there. Yeah, but you know what? It's not that big of a loss. I would have loved to watch that go down, but maybe it's better that they're not. Yeah, I guess you're right. It feels almost like how Christine wasn't at the Selling Sunset reunion, but completely different because that would be like if Kyle wasn't there. Wait, can I actually read the screenshots from Lindsay and Craig really quickly? Yes, please. So Samantha Bush posted on Twitter that somebody had DM'd her saying, I went to the Pillows and Beer live last night. Pillows and Beer obviously is Craig and Austin's podcast. And Craig said the production company of Summer House and Winter House is terrible. Someone asked about Kristen Cavallari and neither of them would talk about it, I think for legal reasons. And he said, anyone who believes Lindsay and Carl are real is nuts. And then Lindsay posted on her story, kind of clapping back, saying, Gotta say, we have one of the best crews out there. Most of them have been with us for years, which says a lot about our production and cast. And they dress in theme for every themed party we throw. So I don't know what to make of that, but it's just interesting. It's really interesting. I think Craig and Austin have the feeling where when they do those live shows, they forget that it's not just live in the moment. Your comments stick with you and will get legs and like be on the internet and could be recorded and whatever. So I, yeah, I don't know. That's again, that's why I wish we had them at the reunion and could have this dynamic, but I'm also happy that we're going to get them back on Southern Charm. Yeah. And the other thing, which I know doesn't really matter in the scheme of things, it's more so just a point of curiosity for me. I do wonder how Paige feels when Craig says something like this, because now it's her issue. You know what I mean? I know they're two separate entities, but when he's talking specifically about Summer House, now she's involved and I don't know if she wants to deal with that with Lindsay. So it's just, I don't know, just something to think about. I feel like they're like two people from competing shows or like rival teams that are dating and it causes conflict between one and the other, even though they do blend a lot. It's just like such a funny dynamic to be on two different Bravo shows and you have to keep the peace with your own cast, but you also want to get along with other casts and also like it's your boyfriend. Also, by the way, when apparently if that is true that Craig said anybody who believes Carl and Lindsay are nuts, then motherfucker call me nuts because I believe it wholeheartedly. Literally one flew over the cuckoo's nest. I (laughs) believe it so deeply, especially after Lindsay posted those adorable heartfelt stories saying something was in the air and he was making me laugh and he looked at me differently and here we are. And they are literally with each other's families for the holidays, posing up a storm no cameras and like honestly like fuck that Craig like don't 
squash the dream and also don't say they're not real when they just like are literally clearly real. Like what would they be doing that for? Right, that's what I'm saying. They uh, neither of them need to get the a public publicity on board. stunt. Yeah, right, that's what I'm saying. But in addition to that, nobody needs to get the public on board even more. I mean, I would say that they are two of the fan favorites on the show, specifically Carl. I mean, like they're not doing a PR relationship. They're summer house stars. That's <laughs> just not it. Let me tell you something. Lindsay has, and this is from her mouth, not mine. She is at the point in her life when she's not fucking around. You think Lindsay's going to waste a year when she has repeatedly expressed how badly she wants to be in a serious relationship and how badly she wants to be married, doing a fake PR relationship that only benefits them minimally? No, I'm sorry. I don't see it. And, and I'm willing to look like an idiot, but I believe this relationship wholeheartedly. No, I straight up will bet money that they're going to get married. I, I, I don't care. I can't even entertain this. (laughs) Okay, so let's just get into the episode, yes? (laughs) Yeah. I also actually just quickly wanted to say before we get into Summer House, I know we didn't have a Monday episode this week, which we normally try to warn when that's going to happen. But honestly, we didn't know it was going to happen until Tuesday morning. We really tried and there was just a bunch of things happening this week that just couldn't do it. And sometimes you just got to know when you don't have it in you. And we just did not have it in us this week. So I saw we got a lot of DMs of people being concerned, which I so appreciate. Don't be concerned. Everything is okay. There was just some personal things happening and we just couldn't make it happen. So we'll be back for Kardashians, obviously, and normal schedule will resume next week. But I'm sorry, there wasn't a heads up. We really just didn't know that was going to be the case. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I don't know about you guys, but I am one of those people where every year on Daylight Savings, having that extra hour of light in the evening just like completely transforms my mood. I feel like I am not me when it gets dark at 4 p.m. And obviously the flip side of that is that first morning after springing forward can be rough. So I want to tell you about something that can make it so much easier, so much more enjoyable. It's called Hatch. And Hatch can help you choose sleep, prioritize healthy habits, and then also make the time change transition seamless and enjoyable. So the Hatch Restore helps you build sleep habits that make your unwind and wake routines simple and enjoyable. So a phone-free bedtime, no matter what time of year it is, which again, is really a habit I'm trying to change this year, and this has very much helped it. And then with the Hatch Plus subscription, you can access the latest routine-building features like Cue to Unwind, which signals you that it's time for bed, and Pillow Talk, which is kind of like your favorite shows or socials without the screen to keep you up. For me, that's like such a wonderful feature because it helps me unwind, but not in a way that feels unnatural. It's kind of like the benefit I get from scrolling my phone without scrolling my phone. And then waking up in the morning is just so much more peaceful. Like I don't think it's good to wake up to that jarring alarm sound. So to have kind of an easy wake up, I've just really enjoyed my morning so much more. Right now, Hatch is offering our listeners $20 off your purchase of the Hatchery Store and free shipping at hatch.co slash CBC. Visit hatch.co slash CBC to get $20 off and free shipping. Hatch.co slash CBC. I kind of want to start with Summer House by 
quickly just acknowledging our reaction to Kyle last week, I guess more specifically mine, because I was <laughs> very heated over it. But then the response to the episode, I think people were also frustrated by it. And I know I went really hard on him last week, and I stand by that. And obviously, you know, there's plenty to say this week. But something I found to be really interesting was the conversation online this week shifted slightly. And it seemed like a lot more people were voicing either frustration or just confusion about the way Amanda's been handling it all. And I do kind of feel when I reflect on our coverage that maybe we've been, I don't know if neglecting that is the right word, but we just haven't been so focused on that because the way Kyle has been handling things has been so shitty that that's maybe been the focus. So I just think it's an interesting conversation to have. Yeah, I think I felt that naturally this week because they kept reminding us like our wedding is in three weeks, okay? And when you think about the vibe of a couple that is about to get married in three weeks, I know it's stressful. I know there's planning, family, like a lot of people fight before their wedding, but you shouldn't have this overwhelming sense that both of them are kind of unsure about it. And that was what I was feeling. And Amanda sitting there, really just shit-talking her soon-to-be husband and just so grossed out and embarrassed by the way he acts and the way that he is like kind of fundamentally as a person and also vice versa with Kyle overwhelmed about her reactions to things like the prenup and how she handles him and how their relationship works and the way they communicate. It felt very reciprocal and I understood where the frustration is on both sides. Like it does take two to tango. I'm not saying one is better than the other, but they both definitely have flaws that contribute to the relationship. And I think because of A, just the natural editing and B, because Kyle's way of handling things is just naturally more entertaining. He's louder. He has a meltdown. He's drunk. Whereas Amanda is maybe more of like the silent killer it, we get more of that. And I think therefore we focus more on it as viewers of the show. Totally. And just to go back to your first point about being constantly reminded that their wedding is just in a few weeks. To me, I'm watching this episode and I'm like, wait a second, you kind of hate him. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> right. Like, are you sure you want to do this? And I mean that on both sides, but more specifically, you know, I think what Amanda is saying out loud is, I basically can't stand the way that you handle things. And I disagree with many aspects of your personality. And then what Kyle isn't saying explicitly, but what you can kind of sense that he's feeling is that Amanda doesn't really pull her weight. And I can't comment on whether or not that's true in their business, but I feel like that is what he is experiencing a lot of frustration around, yet he's holding his tongue from saying that. Did you feel yeah. that at all? I know there's, I want to get into a lot of the points of what you said, but just specifically that one thing, what's your reaction to that? I just like can't shake this overwhelming feeling of resentment from both of them to the other. Right. And the way that it's coming out is really hard to watch. I mean, listen, don't get me wrong. Obviously it's entertaining, but it's really hard to watch knowing that they are going to walk down the aisle. And at this point, you don't, you know, there's not a question about it. I mean, it's happening. It happened. They are married. The couple we are talking about previously fiancés are now married. So, you know, what the fuck? It's really hard to watch people who are being questioned by their friends out loud, like go through with a wedding. I'm watching on Vanderpump Rules during my rewatch right now, Brittany and Jax like just got engaged and are getting married. And 
you just feel so bad because you are hearing and seeing all of the people around you in your life, your parents, your closest friends say like, are you sure? Are you sure? And that can't be a good feeling. And it also contributes to like your internal anxiety. Or am I making the right choice? Everybody around me, like, are they even going to want to be at the wedding and be happy for me? Like, I think in quote, real life, all that situation is hard enough. So then to also put it on TV where you have the entire world and internet also able to chime in, not just the people who know you intimately on, you shouldn't do this. Why would you do that? Like making it even worse. I mean, I guess it's lucky that it comes after the wedding actually happened. Like they are long married now while they see the tweets, but still like it gets in your head for sure. I feel like it must. I mean, in terms of some of the major commentary I saw this week, just as it applies to Amanda first, is that people find her to be, when it comes to Kyle specifically, relatively unsupportive, which is interesting because in general, I mean, I've repeatedly said that I find her to be incredibly empathetic and supportive of her friends. And then I'm looking at it through the lens of Kyle and I understand why people are feeling that way because when he's having a meltdown about, you know, yes, a seriously stressful situation, I, I recognize how her immediate response is not to overly support him in the moment. But to me, I guess I pass it off as like, she's just hit her breaking point with him, that the frustration level is so high where it kind of maybe impacts how supportive she would be if she wasn't already at her threshold of just being fed up with his bullshit. And maybe that's me giving her a pass. I'm not saying I'm not. I'm just walking through my process of viewing it. Yeah, it is funny because I think every episode you have made a comment about a time Amanda has gone out of her way to be such a good friend, such a supportive roommate to whoever was in need of that help or just a shoulder to cry on or to uh, bounce ideas around with or whatever. And she gives that to everybody except Kyle. And I think maybe she's just done with it. Like she's done it before and she doesn't feel like the respect is there, but you know, she has it in her. And I think she probably wishes the way she treated people was what she got in return from her partner and therefore would want to give it to him. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, there's so much analyzing of this relationship we could do, but I do feel like these summers together in the house where his drinking is really escalating and there's such a spotlight on the status of their relationship and talking to each other and their friends and sort of being like in an echo chamber is so unhealthy for them, truly. Yeah, it can be. But at the same time, listen, I know they have Loverboy, which is a successful company, but partially successful because of the publicity they get from the show. This is their job. They make a very decent living from being Summer House cast members. And yeah. at what point do you weigh that? You know, I, I don't know. I think they also both like the fame. They like the perks that come with it. And there's nothing wrong with that if that's if that's kind of your your MO. So I don't know. I mean, the prenup conversation is one that I feel even though they're opening it up to public discourse, I still feel it's slightly intrusive because I don't know what really goes on with them financially and who does what and what the deal is. However, the one thing that I do feel like it's fine to comment on, or at least was my initial reaction, was how poor his timing was. That was just off. And I understand he was drinking and it just was in his mind. And so he said it, but there was no world in which any sort of resolution was going to be had in that state. Second of all, I agree that she wasn't that receptive and she doesn't seem to be handling it in the best way either. However, I, I'm, I'm struggling with this because the take that I see online is that people feel when Amanda's discussing business things with him, she comes across as very lazy. 
to me, I'm always more drawn to the fact that I think he comes across as very condescending. And maybe I'm just sensitive to that, but I I just don't like the way that he talks to her as if she is not forget about being an equal partner in Loverboy because that's okay if she's not. I mean, technically she is a paid employee and that's their setup and she agreed to that and that's what they're doing. Like that's their business. But there's a way that he talks to her that I just find to be slightly condescending and infantilizing and maybe my read is off. I also saw people discussing how, of course, it is very possible and probably true that partners and people that are in business and have money involved with him would be asking about a prenup. But I do think it's a little bit of a cop-out and that he's afraid of really having this conversation with her head on about like, I want a prenup and I feel like, you know, that is something that from my end of this two-person relationship is sort of important for me. And he's using other people to sort of like be the buffer and say like, well, they're asking about it. You know, they keep asking me about it. And it's like, I do believe, like I said, that that is very possible that people he's in business with have asked him about it and said like, you know, this is probably a smart career move for you just business-wise. But I don't think that two weeks out or whatever it is from their wedding that his business partners are texting and putting the pressure on him. Like, did you get the prenup? Did you get the prenup? That just like, there's no social cues in that. So I, I do see how also for her, here we are three weeks out or a month out and it, it seems like the first she's hearing of it and she they never had the conversation. They never had the emotional conversation that also comes with the prenup. It's not just a document. There's a lot of emotions packed into that. We've seen that trope a billion times on reality shows, everything about prenups. It's always a conversation. It's not so cut and dry as a business decision. So he didn't didn't give her the grace of that emotional conversation and now has made it like, oh, these other people are putting pressure on me. Yeah. And I don't think that he's lying in that. I think that it's also something he desires and there's nothing wrong with desiring it. It's probably a really smart thing to do. I know earlier on we were talking about this once and I think I said something like, you know what? I'm normally a fan of prenups 99.9% of the time, but fuck it. Like after the shit she puts up with, let her take half. And obviously that's like not really an intelligent take because there's so many more logistics that go into it. And honestly, it may even be damaging to her to have half because at this point he's in a certain amount of debt. You know, who, who knows what the deal is? Of course, I support the idea of a prenup. I just think the way it's being done, yeah, I don't like the feeling of rush. And I think the issue, to be quite honest with you, is that Kyle probably had thought about it before, but he was a little bit afraid to bring it up because as we know, his delivery is so terrible. And when you don't have a lot of confidence in your ability to communicate things clearly, empathetically, and compassionately, of course you're going to you know, hesitate on having this very important conversation. So now he has this wonderful scapegoat of the investors that he can kind of remove any sort of tactic and just blame it on that. And like, Amanda is not somebody that operates in that way. She's much more kind of like emotionally in tune in a lot of ways than he is. So yeah, it's it's a fucking disaster. But that's what I'm saying. Like even something as, I don't want to say as small as a prenup because it's a big thing, but even a conversation that should be handled in a certain way is proving to be so difficult that it does concern me as to their state of their marriage. But also like if they're happy, they're fucking happy. And, and I wish them a life of nothing but greatness. Can I pivot to a very happy moment? When Craig walks through the door while they're taking their prom picture, Paige's face. Ah, she was so happy. I had goosebumps watching that. 
I told you, I was like, why did I just shed a tear? Like, <laughs> I, I, why am I crying? I was so surprised that Craig Conover walked into the Hamptons house and they're all in prom attire and I like shed a tear. I was so surprised at myself, but I think it was just because I, I know what that feeling is like, you know, when you're kind of doing long distance and it really sucks. And then you get that surprise. There's just something about it that immediately transports you back to like almost the childhood joy you would feel. And so I just got it from her perspective. And it being like the whole prom thing again, that nostalgia and having a date to the prom. All I could think about, though, was poor little Andrea's up there. Not that I thought he thought anything was happening with Paige or whatever, but I do think he felt like, I have a night with Paige. I love her so much as a person. They do have such an amazing chemistry, no matter what that means. And Craig walks in. Sierra's confessional about that was so funny and so spot on with how I was feeling because here he is in such a fragile place. And like... Craig walks in in a fucking blue linen suit and Paige physically pushes everyone out of the way and flies into his arms. Wait, I'm so sorry, but holy shit. Skims just did a restock of the soft lounge fold over pants that I saw, thought I was going live tomorrow morning at nine and apparently just went live and I need to buy five pairs. Oh my God, hold on. <laughs> yeah, I'm pausing it. Hold on, guys. We'll be right back. I am so sorry for that minor interruption, but we are back. <laughs> I literally saw my life flash before my eyes. I have been waiting for these fucking black pants to come back in stock for so long. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Andrea is the MVP. This guy, he went from what we viewed to be such strong feelings for Paige. I know there was some confusion about that at the winery to literally just being the the greatest friend one could be to both Paige and Craig. And to me, it takes a very secure person, specifically secure man to be in that role. And I just, I love the guy. I think he's a phenomenal addition. I think watching this, I'm so happy that he is in real life with Lexi. Last I checked and heard, because like when I see him crying and having little plastic sunglasses on during the quote prom, because you know he was just crying outside to Luke and just having like such an emotional day. I don't think I could handle that not knowing there was a good outcome. I know. The other thing I wanted to say that I forgot to when we were talking about Carl Lindsay is when she says... Carl and I hang out three days a week, not including the Hamptons. Okay, well, you had in the Hamptons, that's five out of seven days. <laughs> like, they live in the same building. Right, but that's what I'm saying. This was, I'm honestly, I don't want to say I feel stupid because it, to me, they so passed the point of anything romantic. It was so friend zone that I don't feel stupid for not seeing it. But when you look at all the pieces, it's like, of course, this is what was meant to happen. But is it? I feel like they were so far past that it is so rare that you get to the level that they were. Like I said, almost like sibling-ish where you could go backwards and get to this place where you could fall in love and it not be creepy. And it just makes so much sense. Like I think what they did is crazy. Like they almost did a full loop. Yes. But going back to our previous point, that is why this bullshit prom party was so necessary. Like you really right. sometimes just need that excuse. Think about it. They were hanging out every single day, all these days, all these weekends, all the time. And it took this cute little prom where they were sending notes back and forth and she put on her prom dress to invoke these feelings from their heart. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, you know how many other opportunities it could have happened and it didn't? And something like this little party that the producers helped them throw and put up and they did it just as like a little shtick for the show because it's cute and funny. 
it actually like it worked. Yes, but it's so funny because when you think about it, the scenario of them hanging out alone in their apartments feels more intimate. You know, if you're just describing these two things, yes. one is a prom theme party with a lot of random strangers at a Hamptons house, and the other is two people hanging out in an apartment. Of course, the apartment hang is going to be perceived as more intimate. It's not that it's not, but it just became the norm that some of that like potential romantic intimacy was lost. Whereas you needed this spice of things that removed the normalcy, painted things in a different light. And it, that's what it ha- happened. I mean, it, if they get married, what a story. They better have a prom theme wedding. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm all in on this and I'm fine to be disappointed. I'm fine to be proven to be naive, whatever the fuck it is. I'd rather deal with my hurt later than not <laughs> enjoy the ride. I'm not fine with it, but I'm prepared. Yeah. I'm prepared, prepared. Okay. Other thing that I wanted to mention is what is the deal with Maya and Oliver? Do we know? He went with her when she was on Watch What Happens Live a couple of weeks ago. I was going to listen to her on Not Skinny Not Fats podcast tomorrow, so I will maybe find out. But this whole thing was really cute. Like He came. They were just so easy and happy. And I love that we got to see this sort of romance bud from the beginning when he was just at a pool party and they had mutual friends. And like it kind of became something. And you know what? It was a huge step for her. Like we know what angle she was coming at this from and how hard of a time she was having. So the evolution is incredible just from the couple of weekends in the summer. There's one moment from this episode that I want to mention about this. It is such a small little thing that means nothing in the scheme of things. But obviously, as we know, he comes and she had told him wear whatever. And so he gets there and he's a little bit more casual than what some of the other guys are wearing. And I forget which one of the guys, but someone makes a comment about what he's wearing. And she immediately is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He looks great. I told him to wear whatever he wanted. And it was so small. Obviously, the entire conversation was in a very joking manner, but I loved that so much because I think that when you're someone's partner, and I know technically they're not dating, but you know, in this circumstance, he's there for her, obviously. I think when you have an opportunity to embarrass that person, even in a joking fashion, and you not only don't take it, but you also go the opposite route and like back them up, that's powerful to me. Like that's the shit that I notice and really appreciate because she so easily could have gone in on the joke. But I just think like that's how you create safety. You know, it's like a very subtle, I got you. And I don't mean to yeah. make a big deal out of such a minor moment, but it stuck out to me. I noticed it and I loved it. And I think it was also about her understanding that coming into this huge filmed party with this crew of people who is getting really close is already uncomfortable. So she made it as casual and easy breezy as possible and wanted him to feel like it's no big deal. It's no commitment. You come as you are and we'll have the best time. Right. And how appreciative is he of that? You know, like that's what you want in the person you're seeing. Exactly. Same. Well, I loved this episode. I physically cannot wait for next week. And I'm just so happy the show exists. Amanda and Kyle's wedding. No, we're so lucky. We are so lucky. I can't wait. I'm so excited. We all get bogged down with the mundane tasks of life, especially this time of year. But isn't it time you take a break from your normal, boring routine? Don't just sit on the sidelines and watch life go by. Get in the game with the bold tropical lime flavor of Mountain Dew Baja Blast. You can be having a blast anywhere. Having a blast at work, having a blast in traffic, having a blast while you file your taxes. No, really, we mean it when we say anywhere. With Baja Blast now in stores everywhere, you can be having a blast whenever and wherever you are all year long. 
So what are you waiting for? Pick up an ice cold Baja Blast today at a store near you. And for a limited time with every purchase of Baja Blast in stores and at participating Taco Bell locations, you can collect coins for a chance to get Baja gear or a Taco Bell deal. This swag is available for a limited time only, so don't wait. Grab a Baja Blast and start having a blast right away. No purchase necessary, open to U.S. residents 18 or older, subject to official rules at BajaBlast.com. Ends June 15, 2024, void where prohibited. I feel like makeup in general, and specifically a daily makeup routine, is so personal and that we've all kind of gotten down to a science, what works for us, what we need before we leave the house, like where do we feel our most comfortable? And for me, on a daily basis, I wear really, really minimal makeup. I actually think I feel the most comfortable with the least amount of makeup, but My two Holy Grail products always have been, I think always will be, are mascara and lip gloss. Maybe a little highlight on the inner corner if I'm feeling crazy. But honestly, whether you are fresh face, full glam, wherever you fall, you have probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. It's the one in that turquoise tube that you see all over social media. So Thrive Cosmetics beauty products are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free made with clean, skin-loving ingredients, high-performance and trademark formulas, and uncompromising standards. They have a lot of great products, but the one I want to focus on is the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. First of all, it lasts all day without clumping, smudging, or flaking, which I'm telling you right now, I have a zero-tolerance policy for flaking with my mascara. Like, I'm just not trying to put you on my lashes if you're going to flake. And they have a flake-free tubing formula that dramatically lengthens and defines your lashes from root to tip. So it kind of looks like lash extensions without the damaging glue or salon prices. Also super easy removal, slides right off with warm water and a washcloth, no soap required. And it has nourishing ingredients that support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It's just like very much worth the hype. I had seen it a lot. And once I tried it, I was like, oh, okay, this is why I see it everywhere. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com cbc. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 20% off your first order. Okay, I know we both have a lot of feelings about the OC reunion and we were kind of underwhelmed. I get it. I don't even want to lead off with that. Let's start and just get right into it. Is that okay with you? Yes, that's okay with me. Positive thinking. I want to make a general statement that I really felt when I was watching this. And that is, I think the entire cast should be rebuilt around Heather and Shannon, which I know is kind of a loaded take. But what I mean by that is when they are together or when they have those rare moments of seeing eye to eye, I think they are the strongest duo on that entire couch. Some people may make the argument for Emily and Gina. To me, you can't even compare the two. They don't hold a candle. And I guess I was just so clinging on to those moments when I actually saw the connection between Heather and Shannon. And to me, maybe it's the OG energy that I am craving, but I fucking love when they're together. I do too. They make TV housewife just magic. And they have that spark that I think we really were craving in OC and didn't have last season. And I don't, like they really brought it this reunion. It was hard to watch the sort of ganging up against Shannon. I will say that because I just have a soft spot for Shannon and I never want her to feel like under stress because I think she does not respond well to that. So to see everyone sort of pointing the finger at her that she was so in the wrong when it came to that Nicole trial thing, I felt her squirming and uncomfortable, but also I felt like 
you know how this goes. Like, you know, and you knew it was going to come out. And you know what? You got to just run with it at this point. When they're talking about that, I had to remind myself what even happened because Nicole vanished. I mean, Nicole was seen on a few episodes of Housewives of Orange County and she was never to be seen again. So you're asking a lot of us as the audience to transport ourselves back to that time because I'm so far past that. I know that's how the reunions go. Obviously, they have to bring up old shit. But just in general, this narrative Gina is continually trying to push about Shannon, maybe she's right. She knows her personally. I don't. To me, it feels slightly exaggerated. Honestly, I think that the punishment does not fit the crime. This is like going to sound like a backhanded compliment and maybe it is, but it's like, I don't think Shannon is capable of the shit that Gina is accusing her of. To yes. me, she is, there's like, she, there's too much chaos going on in her mind. I feel like she has a very hard time keeping her shit together. And I say that without judgment, she has a lot of shit to keep together. I get it. So like, I just don't think she's as conniving as Gina makes her out to be. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm off. I think Shannon is sort of just like accidentally conniving, you know, like she does shady things for sure, but she is not playing chess thinking 12 steps ahead. Like she does not have the Lisa Vanderpump bug. Whereas I think Gina thinks that Shannon has like, I always think of everyone's brains as a file cabinet. And I just think Shannon's files are very mixed up out of order. She does not have them all organized enough in her head to be able to think 30 steps ahead and say, okay, well, if I drop this on this day and then they, what's going to happen down the road here? And who has alliances with here, with these people? I think she just has diarrhea of the mouth. And she said that thing. She didn't think about the consequences. She didn't think about how it would affect Heather or Terry or the business, any of that. She said it to Emily and Gina wanting to get it out because she couldn't keep it in. Like she just couldn't keep a secret in and knew maybe somehow, some way it would get out. But also to her credit, it is pretty fucking unbelievable that Heather is bringing this woman on the show who this had happened with. And Heather had no idea. Like that is the the other side of this situation is pretty weird and crazy. Right. And that's why this whole thing kind of is relatively complex because Shannon has every right to be confused about the fact that Heather is seemingly very close friends with this woman and she knows this fact. And so I understand the confusion. The only issue is the fact that she just didn't go directly to Heather instead of going to Gina and Emily, because where Shannon was wrong is when she says, you know, I said it to Gina and Emily. I didn't think it was going to become a thing. That's saying it on camera. Like, yeah, it's done. Of course the, it's going to become a thing. Right. And like the deed has been done. You've been around long enough to know that. So if she had gone directly to Heather and just said it, I don't think we would have seen this reaction from Heather because I think she would have appreciated the transparency. And also, I think Heather is a very smart woman. I think she would have realized how it could come across as she was looking very naive for having a friendship with this woman, even though Heather's the first to say, the, the, the lawsuit was dropped. It was no big deal. This shit happens all the time. But clearly, Terry wasn't in the wrong. It's not even about that. It's just, yeah, it is something she probably wants to know, right? Like, it's an important piece of context just to know it, not to do anything yeah. about it, not to be mad. So if Shannon would have just gone directly to her, this whole thing would have been avoided. But then again, what the fuck would they have been talking about then? Because it was pretty an underwhelming season otherwise it was the kind of thing where no matter how it was brought up the fact that it was going to be brought up on camera was not good for Heather so it looking back in hindsight Heather can say as much as she wants you should have said it this you should have said that you should have done it this but really the only way that Heather ever would have been okay with it and not super offended and upset by it is 
if Shannon had dealt with it off camera. But I think in Shannon's eyes, A, what fun would that be? B, this woman is bringing someone on the show like, we got to talk about this. Like, there's this whole weird connection. And C, Shannon and Heather are not on the best of terms. I think they were in a great place, but she wasn't like going out of her way to protect her. And Heather bringing up how in seasons past when they were on the show together, Heather went out of her way to protect Shannon because she knew that David was having an affair and everyone, quote, knew that David was having an affair and never brought it up. Like, made a lot of sense to me because I understand Heather in her seat, how she's feeling, but it's not the same thing. I'm sorry. It's just not, it's very apples and oranges. It is apples and oranges, but I understood how she got there. Yes, I, I really that's did. That's what I'm saying yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, honestly, best moment of the reunion and most sincere moment of the reunion was when Shannon expressed to Heather the fear that she felt when Heather said that. I know it may seem dramatic, but I think that it was real. And I think that Heather's response was also very sincere, legitimate, and honestly, very comforting. Because I think she looked into her eyes as fuck housewives, literally as just like a fellow woman and a fellow mother and said to her, I would, I hope you know, it is very important to me that you know that I would never do that. And like, yeah. I, I really felt that. I, I don't know. I thought that that was 100% real. I think it was also the reminder of like, at the end of the day, we are two human beings, wives, mothers who have been through shit and been through things together and on a large part of this journey as housewives together. And I, like, no matter what went on outside of this show, wouldn't do that to you. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I felt. You know, <laughs> you want to get to Noella? Like, I don't, but I do feel like we have to. Yeah. I mean, okay, well, let's first acknowledge the elephant in the room, which is the fact that both Dr. Jen and Noella got maybe three minutes of screen time throughout this entire reunion, which is fine. They're, they I mean, will Noella, have their time. Noella got like 95% more time. I'm sure next time Dr. Jen will, but truly she had her like hello intro and that was it. Well, the comment that she made to Andy about the house when he mentioned that she was moving and she's like, yeah, we're going to Laguna Beach. And he's like, I assume that's with Ryan. And she kind of hesitated and he was like, I think you're joking. And she was like, not joking. So- jury's out on what the deal is there. And he kept being like, I can't tell if you're joking. She's like, I am, or I'm not, or maybe I am, but maybe I'm not. And it's like, are you? We still don't really know. Because I easily could see at that moment her just saying, yeah, actually he's not coming with me. We'll get into that later. Yeah. I think maybe she doesn't know. (laughs) I don't think anyone knows. Right. That's what I'm saying. I'll tell you one person who definitely doesn't know, Ryan. (laughs) Ryan. Ryan. (laughs) Good old Ryan. (laughs) Never forget when Jen was going around saying, he goes by Ryan like an orange Ryan. And it's, no, Jen, that's a rind. Like, you're not even pronouncing and explaining your husband's fake name the right way. It's just like line, but R. Yeah, I guess it's like fine line Ryan. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, okay. By the way, we're moving on immediately. I can't. I can't. I can't talk about the fake pronunciation of this guy's we name. We just longer. spoke about Jen's husband's fake name longer than she spoke this whole reunion. Just like <laughs> let that let that seep in for one second. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Back to Noella. Back to Noella. Yeah, I mean, listen, she's <laughs> really good at at you know 
what she does, which is performing. I, she is a performer at heart and I will give her that. However, I think that she is entirely full of shit because what Emily was saying from the legal perspective made a hell of a lot more sense than anything I had thought up until now. Because before Emily explains that, you're very confused about the whole Puerto Rico element of it all. You're very confused about why he did things in the way that he did. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this is some great guy. I'm sure she's right. He's probably an asshole. But not so sweet it, James. Right, not so sweet James, but it did make a little bit more sense once it was explained with less theatrics. I just like want to get Noella on Broadway because I just think she would like thrive in a role like that. So much of this reunion without her trying revealed so much about her character. The seeking arrangements, when she's listing things, you know, I wish I could have kept the jet. And she lists her son as like the fifth thing on the list. And she's just talking about the money and how bad she wanted to be on the show, how hard she tried for so many years and all the stops that they pulled out to sort of seem like a good fit for the show. And also her saying that James at a certain point flipped his feeling about her being on the show, maybe when shit started to hit the fan and he didn't want to be another Jen Shaw, Teresa Giudice moment of Housewives. When she says, you know, if he had asked me not to do the show, I would have immediately said no. And no one believes her. Like, honestly, even Andy. Everyone is like, fucking bullshit. So just overall understanding her priorities. And like we've said from day one, her consciousness of what makes good TV and putting it really just laying it on thick made so much sense to me. And that's okay. Like she's happy in her life. She's his boyfriend. She's her new sex toy line. That's okay. But it was almost like validating to hear it from her own mouth. You know, it's funny because when she was listing all of these things and based on the way she was talking, it did feel like she was being super transparent about what she values. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. Like if that's, you know, your goal, I fucking support it. Good for you. If that's what you want to make happen for your life, make that happen for you. But for her to say all of that and then to say, no, if you didn't want me to be on Housewives, I never would have been on it. That's where you lose me. It's like everything can't track in one direction. And then you make a statement that is just, in my opinion, entirely false. Right. Absolutely. I don't know. I did kind of, though, get why Shannon momentarily got defensive of her when she was like, how can you guys say how she felt in the moment? Like, I forget what exactly it was, but I agree. They were like, there's so many things that you can come for her about. I felt like they were going a little bit overboard in terms of, you know, the specific details about her marriage. But I appreciate that about Shannon, because I think if you are so set, like, okay, we are no Noella zone. And anything she says is wrong. Like, that's no fun. It's too stubborn. That's like almost goes back to a Teresa way of thinking. Whereas if you can look at each situation and each person and each conflict very individually and say who is right and wrong here and give your opinion that way, like, okay, that's like a real life thing, you know? Like if you guys are all really friends and you actually care about all these people, you should be able to stick up and defend when you say that's wrong or that's just like, fundamentally, I feel I disagree with that. And I feel like that adds a lot to a reunion. Yeah. And also I think that as Shannon said, a lot of this conversation is triggering for her because of the hell she went through with her own divorce. So she's naturally, I think, going to be slightly more supportive when it comes to this subject matter. Yes, absolutely. Is there anything else that you want to mention from this reunion? Um, I don't think so. Is there anything you would like to mention? 
No, personally, there's not. But if if there was for you, I would have gladly discussed it. I just, I just think there's got so there's got to be a little shakeup here. And I I know we really disagree on the Gina thing, so we can leave it at that. But I just, I don't know. Okay, let's go to New Jersey. How about that? <laughs> okay. I came to the realization recently that I was just like desperately in need of a closet clean out because you know when you're getting ready and you just can't find anything, you have so many things that you don't even wear that you can't find the stuff that you do wear and it's just like a chaotic and unenjoyable process. That was me. I'm still, to be honest with you, in the process of cleaning out. But one of the biggest game changers for me in this process has been finding just like high quality essentials that I can mix and match with anything so that I can have less things, but the things that I have, I can wear with a lot. And I've told you guys about them before, but I think that Quince is one of the best at this in terms of just finding the high quality, affordable pieces. And they have a lot of really great sweaters. I love their Mongolian cashmere oversized boyfriend cardigans. I just find them to be so comfortable. I have them in a bunch of colors. They also have washable silk tops, which are amazing, like really easy, comfortable, high quality throw-ons that you can wear for so many different occasions. And the best part is all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So The way that it works is by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes that savings onto us, which is kind of like best case scenario for all involved. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract, and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Something that I just found to be so hilarious was the contrast between Joe Gorga at this restaurant in Nashville doing absolutely everything in his power to not lose a spicy wing eating competition to Bill Aiden. Like, God forbid he abandon any of that power, you know? And then you fast forward 15 minutes later and he is so gladly shoving a dildo down his throat because he needs to throw up. Like the contrast <laughs> between those two things was, I mean, talk about cinematic genius. That's that's it. Oh my God. Like you just gotta love Joe Gorga. I, I can't help myself. I know. I know he is very antiquated in a lot of his thinking that I know he is overly sexual. I can't help it. I fucking love the guy. He's so entertaining. He's really an entertaining figure. They all are, though. That's the thing. 
I know they're really a funny bunch. Like truthfully, some of the fighting is just so stupid. I just want to like laugh about that. Like I just want to laugh at them. Jennifer hyping up Bill. <laughs> I was no, I was losing it. Like I was shocked at how many times I laughed out loud from this Jersey episode. <laughs> Everybody was just cracking me up. But by the way, Bill Aiden does have a very, very high heat tolerance. I mean, they show back to when he just inhales a huge wad of wasabi. That is impressive. I know, but the reason that it really is impressive, it's of course because his ability to do it is impressive, (laughs) but it's the the calmness with which he does it. Like a lot of people would do that. Right. A lot of people would do it, but they'd make it a scene. Like they'd want everyone to know how bad their eyes are watering. And he's like, oh, this? Like this whole thing? Like he he's so chill about it. His chillness even extends to eating hot food. And that's a skill. I I will agree with you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Teresa and Margaret, again, similar to the Kyle thing, just poor timing for this conversation. Oh, it always is about timing. And it's like, she gave it a whirl and everyone agreed, not now. Like, I think once she saw it wasn't just Margaret saying, not at this lunch, we're not ruining this lunch. And everyone, including Joe Gorga, chimed in and said, "Uh uh-uh, Teresa, not the call. And even Teresa saying, well, I feel like it's the time and I want to talk about it. It's upsetting me. She had to be sort of put in her place. Like, this affects all of us. You're not ruining this. We're having such a fun time. And even Louie saying like, you know what? We'll deal with it later. The conversation ended up going, I think, better than it would have if it had happened in that moment in a loud restaurant when everyone's all around. And at dinner time, they were able to kind of go to the side. So I am glad that people were supportive in the shutting down of that conversation because it could have been a fucking disaster. Well, I want to talk about their conversation on the rooftop because for a moment, you feel like they're really going to connect and there's emotion there. And even Teresa, she's getting a little bit emotional. And when she says to Margaret that her first introduction to her was after her mom passed away and she really remembers that, like you see in her mind how impactful what Margaret did for her was because she even mentions it here. When Margaret is talking about it in her confessional, you have to remember that confessional was filmed after this. Clearly that stuck with Margaret because what she says is when I first met Teresa, you know, she was mourning the loss of her mother and we really connected in that way. And so for her to now feel like I am actively trying to hurt her does hurt me. Like to me, it was a rare glimmer of hope, which I know based on what I saw and watch what happens and the way they've all spoken about the reunion is non-existent at this point. But it, it was like a split second of connectivity that I'm trying to hold on to. I thought that when... Teresa brought up anything about her mom. I was like, okay, this is it. The everyone's guns are down. We are we're on the path now. Like this we're making some progress. They made that connection. They got back to the friendship they once had. Teresa saying, you know, I loved you. Like we never hear that kind of stuff come from Teresa, especially in a moment where she's feeling so defensive and trying to get her a point across. And then it just took a left. And I was so disappointed because I did feel like we were getting somewhere. And I understand that maybe fundamentally they're not ever going to see eye to eye or get along or be best friends. But I did think that we sort of like broke the ice and we're getting towards a path forward. And then it went completely south. And I was like, I was really annoyed. And I almost feel like what we were talking about in our OC recap with Heather and Shannon happening was what happened with Margaret and Teresa. But then 
we immediately almost snapped out of it is how I felt. I honestly have to tell you that I think I agreed with 90% of what came out of Margaret's mouth this episode. And honestly, talk about the concept of validation. I found everything she was saying to be validating. I felt like she was speaking for the masses and maybe I'm wrong, but I, I just think she was expressing a very legitimate frustration that so many people are having with Teresa. And she was calling every single person in that group out and basically shaking them and saying, guys, we have all been operating one on eggshells and second of all, like under the context of, okay, well, she was good for her and we're grown adults. We have to get out of that mindset, which is something you and I spoke about last week that we even as viewers are in it. Like I myself am very guilty of giving Teresa a pass consistently because I feel like I understand her capacity for emotional intelligence. And because I feel there's a certain cap there, I guess I just stop and like I almost give up. So Margaret was saying what everyone's been thinking and she was trying to call the group back into some semblance of reality. Uh, Yeah, it's hard because she basically wants to say this behavior would not be acceptable if any of us exhibited it. But because it's Teresa and we say, oh, it's the best she could do. She'll never do it any other way. It all of a sudden is okay. And it's simply not okay. I have to say, I did agree with like you said, most of what Margaret said. I think she's really level-headed. She sees things a lot more clearly and sort of in path of the way that I do. So I relate to her more in that way. However, I am not blind to see all of the moments that she is a little bit hypocritical when it comes to like, you did push people in the pool. You did say things. You are asking a lot of really prying questions that could be too much for somebody she is not afraid to say like, yeah, I did do that. And I'm okay with it because I think she can look back and understand things that she has done wrong and said wrong. And when you look at this whole situation, it is literally Teresa being fired up about Margaret supposedly saying things and bringing things to light that were in the blogs about Louie, right? That was pulled out of thin air. Like nothing came to her and nobody said Margaret did this. It is literally a hypothesis that Teresa has is that Margaret is the one who's pulling things out of the blogs and making a big deal of it. Is she talking about it? Yes. Is she asking questions? Yes. But she like didn't do it in this big way that Teresa has built it up to be in her head. So this fight is almost about something that is non-existent in a way. And it's really crazy when you boil it down, the level that it has escalated to. Right. But in this conversation at the rooftop, there was that rare moment of clarity when Teresa basically broke down and almost outed herself for saying that it wasn't Margaret. It was that she was finally so happy and then this shit has to happen. And when she says this shit has to happen, she just means that these rumors start swirling. It was a very rare moment of vulnerability where she basically admitted that she's just frustrated by what she viewed to be a perfect situation, having an ounce of imperfection associated with it. And then she quickly went back to blaming Margaret. But you saw there, like Teresa showed her cards in that rare moment, which I appreciated of transparency and emotional vulnerability when she literally said like, I just hated that this was happening. And the follow-up to that, which she didn't say was, and I needed someone to blame because if I actually considered what was happening, I would have freaked out. You know what I mean? Like, yes. She, yes, Margaret's the scapegoat. And I wish she would just acknowledge that. But if she acknowledges that, she looks like an asshole for acting this way this entire season for something that was made up. And that's the thing. It's like, I am sitting here sure as anything that there's no way Teresa will ever acknowledge that. And again, are you then going to watch the show just accepting that? Or are you going to feel like it's her time to go? I can't answer that because I don't know how I feel. 
Oh, it's so hard. Like even Teresa at one point saying like, I'm just defensive. It's the love of my life. Like, yes, we fully understand that. And it is a hundred percent understandable that you would be so pissed off at this situation, all the shit you've been through, the tabloids, the rumors, everything throughout your life and relationships. Finally, you find someone you're so in love with. And of course, shit has hit the fan and come out and you're mad at that. And I think any sliver of a connection was going to piss her off. And Margaret, like you said, was sort of just the scapegoat. So it's really hard. And I almost felt better like seeing these moments of clarity that Teresa has and knowing it is somewhere in there. But then immediately we're back to square one. And it's like so frustrating. And I almost feel like that's what Melissa and Joe feel all the time is that it's in there. Like they have conversations that are super mature and understanding and they see eye to eye and they can kind of get like, this is the real Teresa. And then she escapes back into her old ways. Wait, I wanted to read you this DM that we got because I love when people message us when they're watching it live. So, so a listener, Megan says, why am I feeling bad for Louie? Curious if any other people message the same thing. Like I get a bad vibe, but in this episode with Joe, I don't know why, but I can't help but feel for the guy. And then a few minutes later, that's at 10.53 at 11.34. Ooh, scratch that. Those brags at the end, not a good look. Bad, bad feeling. And I get why Teresa is falling for him. He almost had me. Like I love watching people's emotional roller coaster. Yes, because that's what we're on. That's what we're on. It's like in the beginning, even if the whole thing with Joe Gorga, I think a lot of people would view to be antiquated and traditional, you have to understand that that's what Teresa would want. So I actually can understand the appeal of that scene because I think that Teresa would find a lot of beauty and appreciation in that, especially because I know there's nothing she would want more than for her father to be there. So I think she would probably be really honored that Louis did that. But At the end, when he throws out the 15,000 square foot house thing, to me, you lost me. You immediately fucking lost me. Any guy that has that on the tip of their tongue waiting to throw out, there's some deeper shit going on. And listen, nobody's character should ever be judged for one comment they make in the heat of the moment, obviously. I'm just saying, like to throw out the 15,000 square foot house, big fucking deal. Like get a better line. Right. The fact that it's even in there is what scares me. Right. You know, I get it. It's in a moment of heat. He's frustrated on behalf of Teresa. He's over this whole situation and he maybe just blurted it out. But the fact, like you said, that it's so close on the tip of your tongue and it's even a thought process you have is what raises like a million red flags for me. And it sucks. I agree with what that DM just said is like, he really gets me. Last week when we said, you know, when they move in the house and he has the stone, he does these things, which I really appreciate and are things that Teresa has never had before and so badly was longing for, especially recently. And I get it. And I think they have a great dynamic. And I think we've never seen her this happy, all of the above. But then things like this, and it connects us back to the stories we hear about him. Everyone is just so overly cautious for Teresa and feels so protective of her. Not that she needs it. She's so independent. She's great. But let's face it. She falls in blind love and we've seen things happen and we've seen her watch what happens live saying, why would I need a prenup? And we're like, are you kidding? You haven't even learned your lesson at this point. Like fucking call Kyle Cook and have a conversation. Let's see what happens then. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. You tell her. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I just am very excited for this reunion. That's all I'll say. There's a lot that needs to be handled. 
God, I love a reunion so much. I like I just, when I'm rewatching shows or even watching current episodes, knowing that we're going to get to go back and discuss it, like this must be how people feel in a book club when you can like go back and read Q&A with the author and really see what they were thinking in the moment, you know? Yeah, it's probably an incredible feeling. For Andy, one of the most gratifying things, I know exhausting and at this point probably feels like work, still highly gratifying, I have to imagine. Well, it seems like this Jersey reunion may have like put him over the edge and closer to retirement. Knocked the wind right out of him, let me tell you, based on that one clip that we saw where he looked like a frustrated toddler. A frustrated toddler and on Watch Rappens Live tonight, he said like, I almost walked off, but then I realized I had to pull myself together because then it would have taken even longer and I couldn't do that to myself. And I was like, oh God, if Andy's walking off a reunion, Andy Cohen is walking off a reunion. That is when we have hit like a real, real low. Right. Andy Cohen, who historically is the most annoyed when people walk off for that exact reason. Like the fact that he even contemplated it says something. Yeah. Wait, also Lisa Barlow posted... Lisa Barlow posted a photo of herself in pink pants and Whitney comments pretty in pink and Lisa responds to Whitney's comment with a bunch of hearts. So looks like you well. Best friends for life. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to mention? I think that's it. Oh my God. I can't believe we just ended with a Lisa Whitney interaction. I know. I felt like it just, I don't know. It felt good. It feels good. I love when we like remember shows, you know, I just like forget about them. I know. That's what happens though. They sleep, they lie dormant, and then boom. Add a hibernation. Yes. Okay. Well, we love you guys so much. Thank you as always for listening. Again, weekly disclaimer, just start feeling. They'll probably change 10 minutes after we record this. So just take everything with a grain of salt. And we love when you DM your thoughts as you watch the episodes, because I just think it makes us better hosts to hear what other people are thinking. So we love you and we'll see you next week. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.